Today we're talking about that three safety package. We're talking about the Mason Cole, Garrett Bradbury thing, and everything else we noticed on the tape here on the Locked On Vikings podcast. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Locked On Vikings podcast. Thank you so much for making Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day. As always, I'm your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. You can find the show on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. Today on the show, it's uh, it's we rewatch Wednesday, I guess is what we're calling it. Uh, is the day where we kind of look back at the game fresh with fresh eyes, a couple of days to let all the emotions simmer, and we're going to really look at the football, kind of get a sense for what really happened, so to speak, in the game. All in all, we're going to talk a lot about Mason Cole. Obviously, that's a huge story. Uh, We're going to talk a lot about the three safety thing. That's a huge story, these kind of backups that are finding their way in the game. But a real big thing for me, and I guess this is the, the headline of the game in my mind, is and it's unspecific, but it's the chess match between the Vikings and Packers is always so interesting um, with, I mean, Zimmer and Rogers and the, the way that they talk about each other too. Like they, it is, uh, they, they throw their best at each other. Zimmer saves things for this game every year, for sure. For the, for this and the, and the other Packers game. Um, and I think Rogers and the Packers save some things too, for the Vikings, like that they install in this, in the beginning of the season that they say, we're going to unveil this in Packer week. Um, this is, I mean, blitz packages, things we haven't seen before, plays the Packers have never run before is always so interesting. One of the big questions that I had after the game, a lot of people I think had, was why did the Packers score four touchdowns in a row? How did that happen to Zimmer's defense? That's really, really bad, right? And the there was a touchdown drive in the two-minute drill before halftime. They had like one kneel, don't count that, and then three drives in the second half, all of them touchdown drives. Now, some of this was dumb penalty stuff. Some of this was like a dumb mistake here or there, and one of them was the Marquez Valdez-Scantling touchdown. But I think a huge thing was the way that Zimmer did pressures in this game, and then the way that Rodgers adapted to it, and the way that Zimmer adapted to that didn't work. Um, that That's really the the crux of it all if you want to just the nebulous thing but basically um somebody pointed it out during the game i think it was nate tice somebody like that pointed out that zimmer was using sort of delayed pressure uh to get to rogers so here's the challenge of aaron Rodgers: he scrambles right and even with covid toe or whatever he has uh he scrambles and he can get outside the pocket he scrambled for a first down on us he scrambled and he ran around scored a touchdown on us right that's tough and a way the Vikings were kind of handling that was by using longer loopers to sort of be the contain. Um, you know, you would have somebody line up on the inside of the formation, loop around to the outside, and then that guy would be on the outside containing Rodgers, then Rodgers wouldn't be able to scramble that way. And that was working really, really well, uh, assuming you could cover for that long, which the Vikings could. As weird as it's going to sound, I came away from the tape really impressed with the Vikings coverage in particular Bashad Breeland who I think we all acknowledge had a good game but it looks better on the all 22 also Harrison Smith uh, on the Pat McAfee show where Aaron Rodgers goes and he talks every Tuesday um he was asked about Harrison Smith he had all these gushing words and I think this game really showcased a lot of the things that Rodgers said about Harrison Smith about how he's kind of everywhere and he disguises things really really well Harrison Smith kind of has the leeway to align in a place that's different than what the defense actually needs him to be 
Um, if he is supposed to line up inside, he'll line up outside. And he just has kind of carte blanche to just do that just to mess with the quarterback's read of the play. Um, and that's all the way to, you know, simming a pressure and he's actually in a too high shell and he has to back all the way off 30 yards and he can just do that. That's a strength that Harrison Smith has. He's really, really good at like disguising things. Um, and so for Rodgers, that means it's a lot harder to like read the field and stuff. And so that's the kind of the chess match is can Rodgers guess right what the Vikings are doing and can the Vikings kind of zigzag in a, such a way that Aaron Rodgers can't figure it out. They have to be a good enough moving target, and it's like a big game of cat and mouse, right? Um, and that's it's so fascinating to watch the different maneuvers that Rodgers and the protections did, and then the way that Zimmer changed to that. So those long, long looping things kept contained on Aaron Rodgers, and Aaron Rodgers essentially, or and the Packers in, in general, basically started using quicker drops and quicker game to punish that. And basically, the pass rush disappeared. Um, and that's what happened. And there's also, that doesn't absolve all the players in the pass rush. I thought Griffin had a pretty rough game. I thought Wanham had a pretty rough game. And they like didn't just win on just straight up pass rushes and they needed to. But some of that was them kind of being put in a position where it took so long for them to do that loop. Um, and I hesitate to call that like a coaching error because there's obviously a strategy behind what they were doing. But uh, it would take them so long and Aaron Rodgers would have the ball out by then. You know, by the time they actually... Uh, got to an engagement with the lineman, let alone actually got pressure. Um, and then sometimes Aaron Rodgers would just run around and do crazy stuff and all that. So I, I thought that a, a big reason the pass rush sort of disappeared was because the thing the Vikings were doing was to purposefully delay stuff, and then the Packers moved to punishing that. So to make up for this, the Vikings started going toward some of their quicker packages, and then their quicker packages got picked up with what I thought was really impressive pass protection. Um, I just thought the Packers O-line did a really, really good job picking up all these stunts and figuring things out, and Rodgers did a good job finding it and all that stuff, um, and then some of the problems in the coverage, some some really, really, really small detail problems in the coverage got picked up. Um, this things like, oh, he should have widened that out to more steps, or should have gone to the other side of that hash, and you know, should have played on the, the outside of the hash instead of the inside of the hash. Really, really detailed nitpicky stuff that kind of only Aaron Rodgers can punish, but he isn't. That's who we were playing. So that. I think is what led to some of that defensive struggle. I think there was a really good game plan. The Packers adjusted to it. And then when the Vikings kind of went to their adjustment for it, the Packers were ready for that. And I think that is why the Packers offense was able to move the ball at the end of the game better than they were at the beginning of the game. And I don't really think that that's an indictment of anybody. It's just how it goes. It's the game of cat and mouse. Um, the Vikings won some. The v Packers won it some. Obviously, the Vikings won enough of it, right? Even though 31 points ain't great. Um, but that was that was pretty nice. So um, I, I want to talk about the three safety thing. I want to talk about uh, Mason Cole, Garrett Bradbury, and all that stuff. I also have an article on the ladder that uh, came out on, on Wednesday, um, I think noon central. If you want to check that out, go to zonecoverage.com. But first... Uh, let me talk to you about a good old Gramble. There is a very cool Thanksgiving uh, promo thing uh, at betonline.ag. This isn't even part of the, the copy. I just think it's a very cool opportunity that you should part that you should partake in. Uh, it is Thanksgiving, and Thanksgiving is always is a great bet online place. They always have some really cool promos. There's a free contest you can go do if you have an account. If not, go sign up. I got a promo code for you in a sec. Um, but go to bet online. And they have a parlay contest. If you can parlay all three Thanksgiving games, both their spread and over-under outcomes correctly, free entry, and there's a prize pool of $10,000. It's pretty fun. Free entry for that, by the way. I think you probably have to make an account and deposit something just to be eligible for it. But 
If you want to do that, go to betonline.ag, make an account. You can bet on everything, by the way, pro football, college football, basketball, hockey, MMA, whatever, your favorite Vegas casino games, whatever. Enter promo code LOCKED on L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and you can get a 50% welcome bonus. That is 50% of your first deposit will be added to your account in free play money. You put in 100 bucks, now you have 150 to gamble with just for entering promo code LOCKED on, all one word at betonline.ag. Bet online, we're stuffed with deals this Thanksgiving. <laughs> so let's stick with defense, and then I'm going to go to the, the Bradbury Cole thing. Uh, let's talk about three safety. So the three safety package, I have, I've, I've planted my flag. I've made my decision. I love it. I think it's awesome. And I think Cameron Bynum being good has enabled this. Here's the deal. So this is what the Vikings did. And the Vikings only gave Cameron Bynum six snaps in this game. So there wasn't much of it. And on those snaps, things went wrong a lot. So don't take this game's result as an overall referendum on it, because I think the process of the three safety is really cool. So three safety is great. Basically, it is any regular defense. But think about personnel, right? You usually have, you know, you got two safeties there on every play. You've got two two corners that are two outside corners. Those guys are on just about every play. Four defensive linemen, couple of linebackers, right? That kind of leaves one utility dude, whether that's the nickel corner or the will linebacker is usually the difference between base and nickel, right? Um, and then sometimes to take another guy off for dime or whatever. Don't worry about that. How about instead of a nickel or a will linebacker, it's another safety. It's Cameron Bynum. However, Cameron Bynum does not take over that nickel role. He moves to where Harrison Smith usually is as a deep safety, and then Harrison Smith becomes the nickel role. Um, and, and by nickel corner, he's not just playing slot corner, he's playing the star. And in the star, if you've been following this for a little while, you kind of know what that means. The star, it's the position that nickel corner usually is. You can think of it kind of as nickel corner, but on the other side of the formation, um, there is also a star sometimes if that becomes the strong side, or if there isn't a nickel corner, if it's, you know, base package, then the star will be that linebacker. A lot of the times it's kind of just the next guy in. And so they've been making Harrison Smith, that guy, that star, uh, and the star is the most complicated position for one. So you kind of know Harrison Smith's going to make the right read, right? Cause I mean, he's so experienced, you know, he's not going to like botch the coverage or anything like that. Um, but he is also very disruptive. And a lot of what the star has to do is kind of take three or four backpedal steps back and then go attack something in the flat. Or sometimes the star is getting involved in the run fit and playing run first, but also covering, you know, a deep post or something like that, or covering a slant from the slot receiver or something like that. These really, really difficult assignments. It's why you know, you see Zimmer all the time, draft a corner, move him into slot. And then it takes two years for that guy to be good. The Mackenzie Alexander thing. I have a feeling Jeff Gladney was on that before he got himself ousted from the league. Um, so I, I think that is a big reason why, um, Harrison Smith, I think can be really, really good in that star position. I think that can be a great use of all of his skills. Um, and then you just need to have somebody reliable playing deep safety and Bynum, I think, has proven that he can be that. And Bynum being on the field wasn't what punished the three safety package. It was like some other problem just happened to go on. It was only six plays. It's a sample size thing. Um, and one of the three safety plays was the one where Elton Jenkins got hurt. Um, and you, you hate to see that. Um, but that was kind of one of the things that, that it enables is blitzing Harrison Smith. It was that blitzing Harrison Smith that kind of caused the injury. It was a very good blitz from him. Um and so just from like a process angle, from a pure X's and O's schematic angle, ignoring that the dude got hurt, uh, that is a really good example of what the three safety package can be, which is they had lined up a ton of people on the line of scrimmage, one of them being Harrison Smith. Imagine you're the quarterback and you see Harrison Smith. Oh, no. 
And usually when you see Harrison Smith on the line of scrimmage, it means it's a, a single high uh, safety shell. Every quarterback would rather throw against single high than too high. Every running back would rather run against too high than single high. And sometimes that's just the, the, the game. Um, but every quarterback would rather throw against single high unless they've got some really good like post concepts or whatever that attack a, a middle of the field open look. But too high is just generally harder. There's more deep players, so more coverage, right? Um, and against single high, there's wider seams and stuff. It's just easier. So usually if you see Harrison Smith threatening blitz, you kind of go, okay, that's scary. We don't like that, right? Harrison Smith's a good blitzer. Um, but at least, you know, the coverage is going to be that much softer. What if you see Harrison Smith on the line of scrimmage and it's too high? That's horrifying. I would hate that. I do not want that if I'm a quarterback. And I love giving quarterbacks things they do not want when they are on the other team, right? Uh, so th- th- that's what I like about the three safety package. You can threaten blitz. You can have Harrison Smith play the star, which is an extremely versatile thing. It kind of makes use of every skill that he has. And he's such a multiple player. He's such a Swiss army knife of a player. You can really use him there. Um, he can't do it every play. He's not just a nickel corner. He's not going to be, you know, playing man-to-man coverage all the time. That's not what he's best at. But as the star in, in coverages where you want him to kind of play the run fit first or be a blitzer or, uh, you know, be kind of attacking the flat or something like that, it can be this really, really great thing. And you still have two deep safeties you can feel okay about. Now, Xavier Woods, he did have a bad game. I'm not going to try to excuse his bad game. I do, you know, you watch the tape, you kind of understand what was going through his head in certain times a little bit better. Um, and some of the plays, you know, the touchdown to, I think it was Devontae Adams that kind of took forever where the pass rush sort of didn't come. And then Xavier Woods was the closest guy to Adams on that touchdown. That touchdown wasn't nearly his fault. The Valdez Scantling touchdown, um, you, we, we kind of talked about what the, the big long 75 yarder, um, we talked about what he, th- he thought he was going to have help from Harrison Smith. Um, Harrison Smith was doubling Devontae Adams uh, with, I think it was Breland on that side. Um, No, it was Peterson on that side. So Peterson and Harrison Smith were doubling Devontae Adams on that play. And Woods thought that Smith was going to stay deep, but Smith then drove on an underneath route. So um, Xavier Woods played it to the outside, thinking that if it did funnel inside, he'd have help over there. He didn't have help over there. And then the rest was kind of history. He was way too, uh, Valdez Scantling was way too fast to not punish that for 75 yards and a touchdown. Um, so that was what happened on that play. And a lot of them were just kind of like that. Sometimes he just made a mistake. Right. Um, and he did not have a good game, but he, he didn't have a bad game in the, in the sense that I like suddenly believe he's this terrible player that needs to be benched or a long way away from that. So I, I like the three safety package. I like what they did with the coverages in this game. Um, it, I f- feel really good about it. So I want to talk about the center thing too. I want to have some time to, to talk about that. And then just some other kind of scattered thoughts that I had from the tape. And before we move on to 49er mode, although just an FYI, no episode on Thursday, we will do a crossover to be crossover Friday. Um, but of course, no episode on Thursday. Go enjoy time with your family. Jesus. Uh, but speaking of eating, uh, let's talk about protein bars. They can be disgusting, chalky, waxy, taste like, you know, oats and spackle. Uh, but you don't have to choke down a nasty one. Just go for a built bar, 100% covered in 100% real chocolate. And when you bite into it, you know you're eating something different. It is an actually enjoyable experience. It tastes like a candy bar, but it's not chock full of sugar. It's like four grams of sugar in like one built bar, like 130 calories, and then like 17 grams of protein and so many delicious flavors like coconut raspberry, mint brownie, coconut almond, salted caramel, double chocolate, even cherry. And 
this month, Built is coming out with new limited time flavors every three or four days. So check their website often. You don't want to miss out. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and you can get 15% off of your order. That's promo code L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, all one word, for 15% off at Built.com. So throughout the week, there was a ton of uh, coverage of the center situation, right? You had Mason Cole had come in, played whatever for a couple of games with Bradbury on COVID. Obviously, Bradbury's got this horrible reputation. So naturally, the beat writers ask, hey, is Mason Cole going to stay in the lineup? And they go, "Ah, we don't know if he's going to be ready, right? Uh, We don't know if Bradbury's going to be ready. We'll see what goes on. And they're kind of cagey about it, right? But it turns out that he's going to play and Bradbury was active. So you kind of get the sense that, well, he was at least healthy enough to be the emergency guy, but Mason Cole kind of got the, the job. And it's hard to look at that and not say, well, that was like, like a legitimate chance to be a starter. If not, he already is. Um, so all that said, Mason Cole didn't have a great day. He got walked back a lot. He gave up a lot of really bad pressure right up the middle. He blew some protections. Um, we're going to talk about all of that stuff, but I guess I want to kind of reset on this conversation. And really, I want to ask yourself, and, and this is the question that I want to ask with, with benching Bradbury for Cole, forgetting who Mason Cole is, benching Bradbury for anybody. If Bradbury fixed his anchor problem, let's say he changed his pass set and he was able to, and he got more sand in his pants and he could, he could hold up and, and nothing else about his game changed, just fixed that problem. How would you feel about Bradbury? For me, that problem has never been as bothersome to me as it is for everybody else. Not that it isn't bad, but it's just something that I put a little less weight into. So it wouldn't change it that much. And I asked then the same question with Mason Cole, who had this same problem. And with Mason Cole, there's other stuff, right? He doesn't reach block. He doesn't climb into the second level as much or as well. He doesn't, uh, he, you know, the snaps were inconsistent, um, including, you know, he botched or he almost botched. I mean, worm burned one against uh, the Chargers. There were, uh, you know, the protection calls and stuff like that. There's all that stuff. And with Bradbury, you don't have that other, that, that extra, sm- extra smattering of issues. So for that reason, I am probably going to stick with my original take that was, I think Bradbury should still be the starter after seeing like a true Mason Cole, you know, three true Mason Cole games. And we saw like a pretty good game against the Ravens, okay game against the Chargers, bad game against the, the Packers. So we've kind of seen the whole gambit and I'm kind of good on that great backup though love it as a backup um because you'll accept a lot more problems when it's a backup but i'm i'm ready to see bradbury back assuming he's healthy but i don't know if the vikings agree with me i don't know if they're going to do that so the world of mason cole as center let's talk about what that looks like instead of just arguing about this incessantly for forever now that i got my take out there here's the deal of mason cole and so in order of importance probably the most important thing that center does is snap the ball right? That it happens on every play and it has to be perfect. And in shotgun, that's harder, right? Under center, you can fumble a snap or something like that. Half the time it's on the quarterback anyways, or on butt sweat or whatever. Uh, But in shotgun, there's an accuracy to it. And if you're making the quarterback adjust at all for his snap, I mean, think about the way we think about this with like a holder or a punter. Um, If you're making him disrupt that timing at all, at all in shotgun that can ruin a lot of quick game stuff and that has happened some and i think kirk cousins has done a very good job of of papering over that issue however you can only paper over it for so long till one goes totally errant and we saw that in arizona we saw that in michigan we saw that in the pre-draft process for mason cole it's going to happen if he stays in um so there's that problem there's also i think the next most important thing centers do is call protections 
I've said it a lot. It's becoming a cliche of the show, and I'm okay with that. Uh, the offensive line needs to be five bodies on one brain, and that brain is the center's. And if that brain says the wrong thing, um, then you're going to have unblocked pressure. And it doesn't matter who, how good your players are. It doesn't matter how much you pay or what draft picks you spent on them. If there's an unblocked, unblocked guy, you didn't spend any draft picks on the turf, right? And your quarterback's just going to get hit. Um, so there are two plays that I thought were totally blown protections. Um, both of them had the same problem, which was a creeper, which is a, a blitzer coming up to the line of scrimmage late, like in the middle of the snap count, kind of, which is meant to stress this. It's meant to cause this problem, but you have to resist it. Um, and then that caused the wrong protection to be called. Um, and here's the deal. There are contingencies built into protections that account for this but you have to have the right protection called so that when that creeper comes it triggers the right contingency and that's what we don't have it's a complicated system and sometimes it's a subjective system where turning the protection one way or another can be debated um but in this case it was like very clearly the wrong thing there was one where um the where devondre campbell came and threatened the a gap and uh mason cole slid the protection half slid the protection toward him and a half slide means usually if you've turned a protection it's you know three guys to the left will create a wall and then you have two guys on the other side in like more straight up man-to-man protection just one-on-ones and if you half slide it one of those man-to-man guys becomes part of the wall it's now a four-man wall full slide all five guys are part of one wall and they're all turning one way um kind of leaving an entire side of the protection um empty and that works against certain fronts where they're trying to overload one side you just full slide the protection and that was one of those cases where bradbury should have full slid the or where cole should have full slid the protection and that was one of those times where cole should have full slid the protection all five guys should have slid but he only half slid it and what we had was brian o'neill was then blocking a wide nine edge rusher way lined up way out on the moon like outside the hash mark almost i think um, and then somebody came up the B gap on the inside of Brian O'Neill unblocked and it forced a hot throw. And the guy that Bradbury was assigned to block was in coverage on the check down on the hot read. So it was the, the one that uh, he that Kirk Cousins threw over Alexander Madison's head. And if the linebacker had turned around, it could have been an interception. That one um, that was caused by a misplayed protection. And then the other one was the same thing. Devondre Campbell threatened the a gap late in the, in the pressure. And in this one, they just didn't have the adjustment set for it. And so that's, that's just on the center. He just didn't account for that guy. And he came in directly. Um, and it was a, a quick pass that Kirk cousins, uh, was almost, I mean, he could have taken the snap. Campbell could have, he was lined up right in Cousins's face, took one step, hit the quarterback, and it was almost a really bad sack. Um, and Cousins just barely got rid of the ball, which was honestly impressive on him. So that was rough in the protection thing. Then I think the next important, most important thing they do is actually pass blocking, right? And uh, that was obviously poor. They had a lot of the same walkback issues. He got forklifted by Kenny Clark a lot. And look, Kenny Clark's a good player. Mike Zimmer caped for Mason Cole after the game. He said, yeah, man, Kenny Clark's good. I'm not going to kill him for getting beat up by Kenny Clark. But I'm going to kill him for getting <laughs> beat up by Kenny Clark that bad. Uh, because, I mean, you should be able to at least hold your own a little better. Or put yourself in protections where you're in more double teams or whatever. But he got one-on-one a lot. He got one-on-one in the run a lot. And a lot of times he would get kind of forklifted back. It would stop a puller from coming across the formation. Um, And look, yeah, this is a problem for Bradbury as well. This was, this would go down as one of the worst Bradbury games though. 
Uh, I, I think this would go. This would be pretty low on the Bradbury scale. I think there might have been a game or two where Bradbury was worse somewhere in his career, but I don't know. On game three of Mason Cole, that's a little worrisome. That this, I mean, this one was ugly by Bradbury standards for this particular issue that Bradbury is ugly bad at. But a lot of these walkbacks, and again, the walkback in general does not bother me. He he like would get put on his butt. That bothers me, right? Um, but the walkback in general, sometimes Cole would be able to anchor and actually kind of roll his hips and get the guy up. And sometimes I would see Bradbury do that too. And I'd say, see, look, good rep. And people kind of wouldn't hear it. And now I, I point that out with Mason Cole and say, see, look, I think the same thing about it when he does it too. I think that can be a good rep. And people go, Bradbury never does that. It's like, man, I pointed that out last time. I don't know. It bothers me. But uh, <laughs> beyond that, you know, that interior pressure between Cole and Bradbury isn't like much of a differentiating factor to me. It seems like they're just both bad at this particular issue. Um, and so the other things kind of start to, to, to pack on. And then there's the run game in the run game. Um, Mason Cole is not reaching. They're not doing a lot as much zone. They're doing a lot more duo and like power and stuff like that, which that puts your center in double teams more often that puts your center on down blocks and drive blocks which is just kind of more straight up. You're just trying to move a guy versus trying to reach him or get around him or doing the kind of classic zone thing where you're trying to beat somebody to a spot or, you know, combo up to the second level. A little bit less of that for Cole. He does some of all of that, but not as much as Bradbury did. Um, And I don't think the run game is as multiple. Now, in fairness, the run game has been better the last few weeks. And I think part of that has been game situation and, you know, the pass, the aggressiveness of the pass has set up the run a little bit. And there's there's other factors to this. It's not just the center play. But worth noting that the run game has been more productive the last few weeks than it was earlier in the season. Um, you also have a fully healthy Dalvin Cook, which matters and all that stuff. So context, but uh, worth pointing out. So all of that creates a package. If this is life, if Mason Cole is our guy now, We are going to have to worry about the protections. We're going to have to worry about the snaps. We will still have the same walkback issue, but maybe the run game is better, but maybe it's more boring and it's not necessarily as multiple. doesn't seem like a better world to me, but if that's the world we live in, then there's your preview of it. So that's kind of the stuff that I noticed. Um, I thought this is a really good Kurt game for me. There was like one play where he could have hit KJ Osborne on a, on a deep over like wide open um, that he didn't go for. And he ended up just throwing a check down to DD Westbrook instead. Um, that there was, I think, maybe one other one that I like didn't like, but otherwise, it was a really good game from him. Um, good under pressure, good at, at overcoming mitigating circumstances. Um, really, really liked this one from him. For more detailed thoughts, I guess, and some tape examples of the center thing, you can check out my article. Um, I, I might write an article on the th- on the three safety package sometime when we got a little more tape of it because that's really, really fun. Um, but hey, in the meantime. Happy Thanksgiving. This is the last time I'm going to talk to you before Thanksgiving. So I hope you all have a great day. If you do not live in the United States, I don't know, have a have a feast anyways. Treat yourself. Who's going to stop you? The cops? <laughs> I will see you all Friday for Crossover Friday, I guess. Uh, and as always, Skull.